2: This is Girl, Take Note, a podcast for women who are looking to turn their dreams into reality. Every week, I will have a different guest to talk about how they turn their passions into paychecks. So whether you're building a business or you just need a spark of inspiration, we've got you covered. Join me every Tuesday and Thursday on wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, don't just dream, achieve. Subscribe, tune in, and let's unlock your potential together. Welcome back to The Girl, Take Note, where today we're super excited to host Dr. Geneva Jones, a powerhouse in leadership and philanthropy. She's just not any leader. She is a game changer with a legacy of over 100 million raised and more than 50 collaborations that have reshaped the nonprofit and entrepreneur landscape. As founder of Geneva Speaks LLC, she is revolutionizing leadership development with Accolades from the National Association of Women Business Owners and recognition as one of Detroit's most influential women. Dr. Geneva's impact is truly undeniable. And she's here today to share her journey from breaking barriers as the first ex- female executive at the Detroit United Way to leading the governor's Michigan Women's Commission into to night that spark of change in all of us. Get ready to be inspired by her story and take charge of your own. Let's dive in with Dr. Geneva. Dr. Geneva, welcome to the Girl Techno podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic, Shawnee. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, it should be a really good conversation. I really love to talk to women who are in leadership and have their own businesses as entrepreneurs because we get to learn so much from them. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about this conversation, but um, I want to touch on a little bit of your career. So we get kind of like a backstory and your career has been truly remarkable. So can you share with us like how you got started and what's like what you realized that led up to this transformative change for you? So give us a little backstory behind it.
3: Well, I'm a Jersey girl. I grew up on the sun-kissed shores of the Jersey shore. And my sister and I used to think that all of the adults in the community went to meetings on us (laughs) because they knew everything about us, was always in our business, always asking tons of questions. Yes. And we thought it was some kind of conspiracy. (laughs) And it wasn't just... You know our family, but everyone—the the janitor at school, the woman who owned the candy store, people in church—everyone, yes. every adult was always into our thing. And while we growing up thought that they were somewhere conspiring on us, I <laughs> later came to know that it really was a consensus of caring adults mm-hmm. that the grown-ups in our community knew what things they need to do to help young people grow up and be successful. So armed with that, this whole support network of a caring community and my um, civil rights activist parents who were ordinary people, my mom was a school teacher and my dad was a government worker, But they worked a lot in the community, and I really learned leadership
2: Mm. from
3: them. And as they fought in housing and education and employment and, you know, just opened up those doors of equal opportunity, uh, it really made an impression on me. So combined with that leadership and the caring community just led me into Mm -hmm. a career working in community, in neighborhoods with people uh, for many, many years, primarily in the United Way system. And then I Mm -hmm. went and formed a new national model, like a foundation, worked with that for about 10 years or so. And then said, I want to step out and create my own platform. I want to become yeah. a businesswoman, which had been a dream of mine for many, many years. So I made that major transition. And here I am today.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is such a that's such an awesome career. You have a really long um, history of just leadership. And um, from my research, you say you was one of United Way's first female executives. Is that correct? Yes. That is yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this and- is
3: back in the. Back in the old days, you know, where there was no one who looked like me uh, in the mix. And I was brought into the organization really to help make it more inclusive, more diverse. Mm -hmm. They had just gone through a major um, study, and one of the recommendations from that um, look That examination was that the United Way needed to become more inclusive, more connected with the community. And so they um, were looking for someone like me just at the time that I arrived in New Jersey, arrived from New Jersey Mm -hmm. uh, into Detroit, Michigan. Um, And so I began my career there at the lowest level, shiny at the, mm. you know, really, it was a created position, uh, because they <laughs> needed to get someone like me in. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it was at the very lowest level of the organization. And so I worked my way up through all of the positions, raised lots of money, learned about community planning and problem solving, um, mm-hmm. formed partnerships, led community initiatives, all the way up to the First, um, female and black CEO in the United Way. And then a few years later, I led a merger of the two major United Ways in the community and formed a new organization and was there for about six years.
2: Wow, that's amazing. You know, in that role, on that trajectory of your career and getting to that that level in um, United Way, what challenges did you face and and, then how did you overcome those particular challenges?
3: Shawnee? I think the biggest thing was there was no one who really looked like me. And so there weren't models, role models, mentors. And so that was a big challenge, looking for people to guide or to help me in my steps. And I ended up finding mentors in unlikely places like the head of United Way, who took me under his wing, a white man who was internationally known for his brilliance, his leadership. And he really taught me the art of leadership and negotiating mm. and understanding workplace dynamics and strategic thinking and navigating organizational politics. And uh, but then I did find uh, African two African American women who really helped me navigate in a male dominated world and. Yes taught me how to own my style and look good while doing it. <laughs> and and I so like I that. really think the challenges that I first found of not having role models or mentors, which many women do today, particularly those going into business and entrepreneurs, don't know where to find mentors. Yes, that was a challenge. And like so that. I think it's so important to be about the business of getting that. So that was one. I think the other one, Shani, was learning how to uh, carry out uh, and execute the vision that I had mm. and still be within the boundaries and the organi- and living through the organizational politics. Because One of the things I discovered was being authentic to me Mm -hmm. really was what helped develop my leadership style. So I had to really dive deep and be real clear on what my values were, what was important to me, and learn those skills like communication and working Mm -hmm. with others so that the vision and the things that I saw that I felt Were important, I could use my position and influence to make things better for people in communities and families and in neighborhoods. So those were a couple of the challenges. Um, But all through the path, Shani, I met incredible folk who really uh, built into me, helped me become. And so that's what um, really has me focused even more today on legacy and how so many of us can can and should share the wisdom that we have and the tips and advice and the things that we've learned with others. And that's an essential part of leadership. That is legacy building. So yeah. I learned through the challenges that I had that stepping into a position, whether it's running a business or leading a nonprofit, it's so critical to think about, well, what impact am I going to have and what legacy am I going to lead? To lead yeah. right there next to you when you're leading.
2: Yeah. That that's important. You're right, to think about your legacy. And you touched on something that's that I wanted to speak on too is about mentors. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, today it's so hard to find yes. people who are willing to share, like you, um, like you have, willing to share that experience and give that knowledge and just kind of lead people down their either their entrepreneur path or even their career mm-hmm. path, right? Because mm-hmm. people want to grow in their businesses and people want to grow in their organizations and they don't necessarily know how to navigate the politics yes. of corporate America. Right. And I want to just ask a question in terms of like, why do you think it's so hard today to find those types of mentors, well, one of
3: the things that's, that's real is that uh, we don't really, many of us don't really understand the value and deep importance of having a mentor. Yeah. And then also there's this reluctance sometimes to ask folk. To help us, you know, we either feel we can, you know, we got it all going on and we can do it ourselves (laughs) or don't want to admit that we need help. Yes. And then there is the real deal um, fact of the lack of access because there aren't the flood of particularly female mentors that mm-hmm. we might want to see as a female entrepreneur. So those are some of the, the reasons why. But, you know, Shani, I feel one of the tips that I, I like to leave uh, women and give to you know, female entrepreneurs and those who are, you know, on this journey of leadership is that, you know, let your mentors grow organically. Mm. That is a a strategy that that it isn't always about finding someone, identifying, going after them and asking. Sometimes we find our mentors right next to us that they're in our same organization or they're Mm -hmm. colleagues or they're people that we know or someone we know knows somebody. Yes. And that we can use that to build our mentorship structure, which is the other thing, Shawnee. We need to have lots of mentors who do lots of different things for us. And if we broaden our thinking about mentors, they're not just the folk who are Ahead of us, or at the top of the organization, or that Mm -hmm. got that celebrity status. Oftentimes, there are peers, our colleagues, people we know, and perhaps even people who are at a different position, just coming in. Sometimes, entry level positions in an organization. For example, if you're a midlife leader, or you know, running a business and you ain't that savvy in technology. Finding a millennial (laughs) or a young person (laughs) to mentor you, you know, again, remember, mentor someone who can help and guide us um, can be really cool, could be good. So, my only point, Shani, is that oftentimes we can find mentors by letting them grow organically or being right with us Mm -hmm. next to us. And um, but the other thing about it, Shani, I think it's so important if you're looking for a mentor, that you really think about why. You know, yeah. why, why is it you want a mentor? How, can, how do you see them helping you? What do you want them to do for you? And um, really be clear yourself about what the help is that you need. And it really opens up the possibility of the mentors you can find. And Shawnee, they don't have to be, you know, mentors don't have to be just a one-to-one. You can get some great mentorship in groups, in seminars, in Mm -hmm. webinars that you attend. Um, You can get mentorship from watching online videos. I'm sure the people who listen to your podcast see Mm -hmm. you many times As a mentor, because you're giving advice and help. Yeah. That's mentorship. Yeah. So broadening our perspective, our view on mentorship, I believe, opens the door for many, many opportunities.
2: Yeah, you're right. I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about it that way in terms of like, there are a lot of group mentoring programs. There are a lot of master classes. you know, we do a lot of research on YouTube. It's like Mm -hmm. YouTube education Mm -hmm. that you can get a lot from people based off just searching. And so you're right. It doesn't always have to be that one-on-one relationship. Mm -hmm.
3: But if you do desire a Mm one-on-one and again, be clear on your goals, understand your why and what. And don't be afraid to ask. And when you do ask, be real clear about the help that you need. And you're going to be clear because you've thought about your why. That's a first yeah. step. You've thought yep. about your why. And be yeah. ready for the opportunities when they present themselves uh, to you and ask. And then, Shawnee, if you get a no or not really interested or I don't have time, then you apply one of my favorite techniques, is which is, Hmm. so what what's next (laughs) and you go on for the next one because there's plenty of folk out there
2: who would love
3: to give you advice and guidance
2: yeah and I think that's the reason why people are afraid to ask because they're afraid of the rejection Mm -hmm. but like you said it's okay it's It's part of it you move on to the next person because you never know who's going to say yes
3: yes that's right that's good absolutely (laughs) you know
2: again so, what apply that? So, so what a hey, mm. let me go to the next one. <laughs> exactly, I want to talk about the art of fundraising because, as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. this part is probably one of the biggest pieces that I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Mm-hmm. And you've been able to raise over a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm which is like astounding, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We wish we had that type of skill set. So what is your secret to, or what advice or tips you can give aspiring entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs now about fundraising Mm -hmm. and how to go about navigating that world? Mm -hmm. One is to be
3: real, real clear Mm -hmm. on your dream, on your business, on what problem you solve. And being able to articulate that with exquisite precision. And, you know, again, we're in businesses to solve problems. So figure out well, what problem is it that I'm trying to solve mm-hmm. and be real clear. And it could, can be several problems, but there certainly is at least one problem. And once you're, you know, you're real clear about that, and that's the reason you're in business. Mm -hmm. The next step is to make sure that you can articulate that um, problem and the solution that your business provides in a very compelling way that matches and investors or a potential investors interest mm-hmm. so that means that you got to do research one of the things we used to do um, all the time was devote the vast majority of our time to two things one researching um whatever the pro- whoever the prospect was whether it was a national foundation a local business investor, a venture capitalist, um, wherever, a bank, financial institution, wherever, spending the time to research and find out, well, what's the interest of Mm -hmm. that potential investor? What are the goals that that company or organization or individual wants to achieve? And then making that connection, making that alignment between the problem that you solve, the solutions that you offer, and the potential investors' um, interests and goals. That match like puzzle pieces. When you finally, you know, when you're working on a jigsaw puzzle, Yeah, (laughs) And when it's all over the place, you don't know where you're going or what you do, but when you're able to put all them pieces together, ooh, you feel good. Magic happens. Yeah, you do. That's (laughs) what investors are looking for. They're looking for how your business, how what you do, can create the magic that they want to see to invest in. So that uh, puzzle, making the puzzle pieces fit, is a very important, um, very important step. The other, Shawnee, is relationships. You know, we yeah. say in the fundraising world, you know, it's about relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah. And you know, I could I could get in my world as I was raising all these this money at any point in time, I could get. Good great grant writers. I mean, I could write grants. I mean there was I used to write them and write them and write them, and <laughs> that's a very important part being able to articulate yeah. in you know and be able to put it on paper. grant rights, but people give money to people they know like and trust, no matter mm-hmm. where it is. Um, I remember when we were going after these big dollars uh, coming from a governmental unit, and my staff said to me, you know, I said, well, you know, we got to find out, you know, who the, who, who the person is mm-hmm. in this department and get to know them. And they said, well, you know, we, we understand that, but this is government. You know, who are we going to, you know, what's the connection? I said, no, we're going to find out who it is, who they are, get to know them. As it turned out, the lead officer within the government bureaucracy that was making the decision about the grants was a native Detroiter, <laughs> and we was in Detroit. <laughs> so once we found that out, which we had to through research, there were so many ways that we could pitch this program that we were trying to 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 create and why it was so important to bring these dollars into Detroit. Um, to solve that problem. So it's so critical uh, about relationships. So I don't care if you're trying to get a a loan from a bank, go Mm -hmm. in and get to know that loan officer. If
2: Mm -hmm. you're going,
3: you know, trying to get a foundation grant, the same, get to know that program officer. Relationships, relationships, relationships
2: matter. I'm glad you said that because, you know, today they, they do talk about how relationship is the new money.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: about who you know and who you can build those relationships with mm-hmm. to stay connected to. Because Absolutely. like I said, as entrepreneurs, that's a piece that they, I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is how to ask for it, who to ask for it from, you know, and how to get into these organizations that's to right. ask because a lot of time it's just like blind emailing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think the approach you talk about in terms of like, no, get to know, find out who the head person is and build a relationship with them mm-hmm. because you never know when you can come back and ask for more.
3: Absolutely. Right? And that's the other thing, is So too often when we get when we're fortunate enough to get the dollars. Yes. And we got <laughs> the money. You know, yeah, that's it. <laughs> the investor doesn't hear from us. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. It's got to be. Working on that relationship, you know, sharing what happened as a result of of the dollars, dropping them a note, posting, making a post, congratulating, thanking the donor, etc., cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and it's so funny because, Shawnee, we know how to get, you know, if we take off our entrepreneur hat, if we take off our leader hat and we just have on our people hat, we're yes. some social animals. Yes. I mean, we... We know how to do this. We know yes. how to strike up conversations. We know how to be interested in people and curious. We know how to make these relationships. We do. We got friends, et cetera. Apply the same things because these investors are people. And yes. so using that relationship, I want to mention one other thing, Shawnee. It's my uh red penguin approach to fundraising. Um, and that is, you know, I was with my uh, young person, a friend of mine had asked me to help his niece with her project that mm. she had her and we were we sat and we were watching national geographic and well, she had to do this project on Antarctica and as we were sitting there, we saw these penguins and you know the ice, and they all looked the same, and they were all waddling in there. Black and white, and it occurred to me, Shawnee, I said, well, you know what? What if coming out of the left side was a red penguin? Red penguin. What would we do? I mean, we jump up, we'd probably take pictures, we yell and we point at it, we probably post, we do everything. Why? Because that red penguin in the midst of black and white penguins stood out. Was interesting, made Mm -hmm. a difference. I tell entrepreneurs, be a red penguin when it comes to raising money. What's so Mm -hmm. unique about what you do? What's so different? Um, You know, if you're an accountant running an accountancy business, there's millions of accountants. What makes you different? Is it because you can break down accounting principles in Such an easy, understandable way that a fifth grader could understand it. That's Mm -hmm. unique. What is it about you that's particularly unique that makes you stand out like a red penguin? And, Shawnee, oftentimes that stand out is your story. Mm. Because your story, whatever it is, is unique. And probably your story has something to do with why you started your business. Yes. And yeah. if it's your story, that means ain't nobody else got it. It's unique. It's you so make it's your sure, red penguin. You know, that's right. It's your red penguin.
2: Yeah. I like that. I, I really like that. That your story is your red penguin is what makes you stand out from the rest. And that's what absolutely. Because
3: no one yeah. else has a story like yours.
2: Exactly. No one else do. That's right. It's like your own special fingerprint. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let me ask you this. So through Geneva Speaks, you are teaching like the next um, generation of leaders and executives. What are some of the traits that you believe a great leader has to have in order to lead going into this next year? Not next year, but this next generation is what I'm saying. Mm hmm. Well, I think authenticity is a mm-hmm. biggie,
3: and particularly these days back in as I was coming up, it was referred to more often as you know integrity mm-hmm. um credibility, some of those words, but it's all about being authentic, getting back yeah. to knowing your story, telling it, being transparent um uh, vulnerability, and so this aspect of authenticity and being an An authentic leader Mm -hmm. is certainly um, one that's important, particularly in today's world where so many times you don't know what's fake and what's real. Yes. (laughs) You know, you don't. (laughs) And, you know, AI coming in and different folk, you know, you're not sure what's going on. Being authentic is real important, which means you got to dive deep. And know your values and know yourself, which gets me to the second um, skill, ability that I think is so critical. And that is your own self-development, knowing yourself, your Mm self-awareness as a person, as a leader. Um, That and authenticity really go hand in hand. Communication is another key skill. Uh, particularly these days. And that's the, you know, both you've got the written and and the verbal communication skills, but we don't talk enough about that aspect of communication called listening, Mm
2: -hmm. which
3: really helps deepen our understanding of the people we work with, of the customers that we serve, Uh, of our colleagues when we're able to understand and listen to other people's needs, wants and desires and what they hope for. So I think as we develop our communication skills, let's not forget to sharpen our ears so that we listen to understand, you know, that deep listening so that we're not just listening so that we could just say our point or what it is that we think
0: Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More
1: info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
3: But rather to understand, have that um, empathy and be able to uh, relate to other people. I I think networking and collaboration is always going to be a hallmark of Mm -hmm. uh, great leaders. the ability to form those relationships, to work with others, to work in teams—more and more, Shawnee, we're seeing. Um, there was recently a, a study, I think, that LinkedIn did when they looked at the um, the twenty-five highest-paid and rising jobs. And Mm -hmm. found several skills that most people had in these jobs. And one was uh, strategic partnerships and the Mm -hmm. ability to be able to connect and and network and establish these relationships. And the other is community outreach, Mm -hmm. which really, I think, for if we put community outreach in the entrepreneur space, I think it talks about knowing your customers. Knowing yeah. your customers' needs, what they want, um and being real clear with with that, as well as forming those relationships with customers, having you know exquisite listening mechanisms, ways that you hear from customers as well as being able to connect. and that brings up how important I believe it is for entrepreneurs who are leading um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: their businesses, who are leaders to um, be involved in their community. Wow. I was part of the uh, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business um, Curriculum Business Education uh, course. And one of the first things that we were taught was about community responsibility, your social capital. What's the social capital you're investing how active Mm. are you in your community? Are you mentoring? Are you working with youth groups? Are you visible? And how that community connection and that social connection really was so important and connected with what you do as an entrepreneur and as a leader Mm. of your business.
2: Yeah. I like that is true. You know, let me ask you this when you when we talk about leadership and the whole conversation is around your feminine energy your masculine energy. Do you get into those conversations with some of the people in your program about because today we're as women, we want to lead more. We want to lean more into our feminine energy. And where back then, you know, back in the day, we couldn't do that. You had to be very masculine because you had to really fight through a man's world, male and male dominated world. And now today, people are beginning to see the shift of leaders being able to lead more, like you said, with empathy and being able to be more in that feminine energy. What are your thoughts around that masculine and feminine energy and leadership?
3: Well, when I was coming up, it was nothing but be yeah. like a man in order yeah. <laughs> to make it. And <laughs> it was a male-dominated oh, yeah. um, world that I was in. And most times when I was in the room, I was the only woman
2: and I was Mm -hmm. the only
3: person of color. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when there were other people of color in the room, they weren't female. Mm -hmm. So I spent the vast majority of my, the early part of my career, um, the first 15, 20 years or so plus um, being definitely in that male dominated world. And back then Yes, I wore the, you know, the very tailored things, the mute, the dark colors, and it was all about that. You know, you had to be real particular how you dressed and, um, you know, wearing the suits and the tailored things and making sure that you had that, what basically was that masculine attire look. Yeah. As as I grew in my career and um, began to learn about the importance of self-development as a leader, mm-hmm. authenticity as a leader, I slowly began to just step out there. But I had um, an African-American woman who was a very... Um, um, you know, really up there in, in the go- a government position. And she was the most stylish sister I had ever seen. And <laughs> she and another sister just really taught me how you can own your space, exist in a male-dominated place, mm-hmm. and still look good. And so I began to incorporate pieces in my wardrobe, you know, Mm -hmm. like the splash of color here and wearing, you know, not wearing the suit, but wearing, you know, softer fabrics and different kinds of things. And so that was a big struggle. Today, I think we can take full advantage of our Mm -hmm. femininity yeah why because more and more and particularly though the trend was happening but particularly after covid more and more the um culture the flavor uh what's happening in the workplace what's happening in business with the rise of female led businesses which is the fastest mm-hmm. growing type of yeah. business with um looking at traits and skills like collaboration and nurturing and listening to employees and what's happening across the country and in the workplace. We, as women, can make great use of the femininity part of what it is our leadership and what we do. And we can embrace that As part of our leadership style, as part of our dress, as part of our conversation, but more importantly, as part of how we execute, how we deliver our services, how we help people see a vision, how we lead people, how we are in the marketplace, in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, This is really our time. So I really say to, to leaders, particularly those in midlife, who are, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, who maybe yeah. really experienced another time where this is possible, hey, we rule now. We can <laughs> rule now. And so do your thing. You know, you're going to carry your competence with you. you got yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. you got your wisdom. Mm you know what's there. You've been through your trials and tribulations. You can give testimony because you've been tested. So (laughs) it's okay. This is the time for you to be able to step out and wear, you know, that vibrant colored lipstick or that scarf you throw around or a suit that is extremely feminine, but you in the room to take care of business. So we can do that now. So I just think this is an Incredible time for us once we shift our mindset about it. Yes. From we can't or we couldn't to yes, we can, girl, go do it. Girl, take
2: note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Take note, girl, take note. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. It's the mindset, I think, mm-hmm. when we think about women that are over 40. Mm-hmm. And because we're so used to, because I myself, I'm 49, and we're so used to corporate america being yes. so male dominated because yes. just like you when i was in corporate america which wasn't that long ago actually it was a few months ago um i was also the only and i'm in tech like i'm in tech and my background uh-huh. is product and stuff like that yes. so a lot of times i will walk into the room i will be the only african-american in the room yes. and then the only woman african-american in the room Yes. And, uh, and it's and it is a cultural shock kind of thing when you walk into a room and you're the only one there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the expectations that we put on ourselves are very high because when I step into that room, I feel my mindset. This is why I say it comes to my mindset, because I feel like I'm representing every black person when I step into yes. that room. Yes. And so I have to present myself in a certain way because I was in a position of leadership, too. Mm-hmm. And so I have to present myself a certain way. And so what other advice can you give women who are in that career trajectory? Um, that how, 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 what advice can you give them to know how to show up for themselves when they step into the rooms where they are the only ones, being that you have had that experience as well? Mm-hmm.
3: I think there are um, three things that matter when you step into rooms like that. Mm-hmm. One uh, clarity on your values, yeah, what's important to you, and these three things. I, I give this. I'm gonna give two aspects. One, I'm gonna talk about the three things you can do when you have control over. Okay, yes. One mm-hmm. is being real clear on what your values are, um, what's important to you, um, who you are, being uh, aware of that. Uh, oh. Understanding your purpose and your assignment.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: A Second, understand your vision because you have or should have a vision for yourself, a vision mm-hmm. for the job that you're doing. Whatever position you're in, you've got some thoughts about what it is you want to do, what it is you want to see done, the influence you want to have. Own that, understand it, and own that. Be real clear on the vision for yourself, the vision for your company, for the organization, whatever position it is that yeah. you hold. You there's something that you hope for that you aspire to. So, be understand it, be clear on that. And then, third, always understand what the outcomes are that you want to see, because again. This is what you can control. So when you're walking into that room, Shawnee, and let's say it's a, you know, it's a group of you know other, um, yeah, IT folk.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you walk into that room. Just don't walk in there without a plan, mm-hmm. without a goal, without. Well, if this meeting. This space that I'm walking into, if what happened in here was incredibly successful, what happened? What is it that I want to see occur? Because, see, you have control of that in yourself. So, I'd like to come out of this meeting with um, a job offer. I Mm. want to leave this meeting with people in the room thinking I'm a badass. Yeah. I want to come out of this meeting <laughs> with uh, a new set of relationships. I want to come step out of this room and have the invitation for the next meeting. Whatever it is, you need to have that in your head going in. And what this does, mm-hmm. Shani, it puts you in an incredible power position. Because mm-hmm. you're grounded in yourself. You understand your values. You know your vision. And you have a game plan on what you'd like to see as the outcome. Mm-hmm. Okay? The other thing I'd suggest is when you're getting ready to walk in that room, look good. <laughs> look real good. Okay? Yeah. Makes you feel good. <laughs> you, know, you know, why can't we you know, we can do both. We can. (laughs) You know, we can can be sure enough confident leaders and look good at the same time. Why not?
2: Exactly. Okay.
3: What it also does is build your confidence. So see, Mm -hmm. you've already gotten that confidence booster because you know who you are, you know, your values, you understand your vision, and you know what you want to have come out of the meeting. Now you're gonna layer on top of that, looking good, because you know what a confidence booster it is to have on your favorite lipstick. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Okay. And so that's that's the second group of things. Then the third group of, you know, know your values, vision, the outcomes, Mm -hmm. look good. The third thing, shiny, (laughs) is to go in to the room. With the presence of confidence. Mm. Now, you know, there's some techniques that we can use. You know, we open the door, you, when you walk into a room, you just don't walk in, okay? You walk in, you pause,
2: and Mm. you look around
3: the room. You own it, okay? But think about those things that will, um, show confidence, even if, you know, you might be trembling and nervous mm-hmm. and, you know, might be the first, that's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. We all I go like through that. it, you know? Yeah. But what are the kinds of um, things that you can do in terms of your body language and your nonverbal communication? Of course you walk mm-hmm. in, you know, you got your head held high and you've got a smile on your face, you know, cause you're gracious and graceful. Um and you step into the room, you walk, you survey it slightly. I mean, you don't have to stand there and, you know, 10 minutes later, you're still looking around. I can't talk about that. You, know, you come in and you you know, acknowledge, you know, sort of like I'm here. Yeah. Okay. So those are the kinds of things that I think you can, And then when you, when you're in the room, carry forth that body language. Make sure you sit up straight. Um, that you're listening, that you're acknowledging people. um, And always, Shani, always have a question that you're going to ask. Even if you're sitting there, you don't know nobody. This is your first meeting. You're not even sure what they're talking about. I can't tell you how many rooms I've been in. You know, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what are they talking about. You know, but I'm going to ask that question. Yes. Okay. Because you want to be noticed.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Asking a question gets you noticed. So make sure that you do not, that's what I tell you know the women that I coach, that yeah. don't leave a room without asking a question.
2: I love it. Love it. Because like you say, it t- it, it's, it's the confidence that you do have to have to walk into a room, especially when you're the only one. It mm-hmm. does take a certain confidence, you know what, that goes, that makes me want to touch back on when it comes to fundraising. Does Mm -hmm. it take a certain confidence when it comes to asking for money, fundraising? Does it take a certain level of confidence for that too?
3: Yeah. One of the things we found in, um, you know, in fundraising in general is that so many people who are out there looking for funding, trying to get some dollars, et cetera, don't make the ask. Yeah, they're hesitant, they're reluctant, and you're not even sure what that ask is. You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of scratch your head and you know, funders are wondering, Well, did they ask me for something? You have to be real clear. Yeah, I am here to ask you for you know, X amount of dollars, say those words. Um, but we, we do find people are hesitant, but again, it goes back to. You know, one of the things I tell women is that, you know, you you can practice, you know, you can stand in front of the mirror Mm
2: -hmm. and you
3: can practice, you can say the words and you can write them down, Uh, your ask in particular. So you actually write on a piece of paper what the ask is going to be and practice it
2: Yes,
3: until it just flows out of your mouth naturally and you can do this for every ask because you know every ask is probably different but once you do it and do it again after a while after you practice it um, it'll become much better and every time you do it you'll get more confident but write it down practice it
2: yeah I like that practice makes perfect and then it helps you kind of loosen up too Absolutely. When it comes to just asking once you, you know, say it over and over. So it does exactly. help loosen up some. Hey, let me, tell me this, Dr. Geneva, what you think made you such a great leader during your time?
3: Oh, it was the way I was raised. Mm. Um, it was the um, people that I met along the path. Uh, it was, you know, being um, a wife to a mm-hmm. fantastic Husband, who um, you know, coached me and helped me and supported me, was there in all my mistakes and weaknesses. <laughs> um, it was raising children and um, learning the deep joy and satisfaction, and and embracing my nurturing capabilities and being able. And being able to see that as a transferable skill.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. uh,
3: But, you know, it was all, I believe, because other people and being on their shoulders and um, being, you know, at a young age, having it made very clear to me that I had an assignment Mm
2: -hmm. in
3: life and that there were lots of folk who were Expecting me to carry out that assignment and be there for support. Yeah. And along the way, I uh, prepared myself by, uh, you know, just trying to always learn and continue to learn and be excellent with my skill development. So mm-hmm. I went to HBCU, which mm-hmm. was, you know, one of the most life changing things I ever did. And, you yeah. know, really, Morgan State University, really prepared me for what I am today and went to graduate school and then got my doctorate in leadership. But all along the way, that academic excellence, um, fantastic also was coupled with um, that on the ground, hands-on approach with people who Mm -hmm. taught me so much. And probably having, you know, a vision that's been crafted and honed throughout um, my life and just being real clear on what my assignment is and why I'm here on Earth. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like that. Being clear on your assignment and what you're here for and understanding your why. I really do. I like that. Um, I want to touch on a few more things before we end the show on your, in your LinkedIn newsletter, you make a lot of great um, predictions. What do you believe the future of women look like in business and leadership?
3: Oh, well, I think the fu- uh, future is extremely bright. Um, mm-hmm. Very good for us. Again, as I mentioned, I think our time is now the yeah. future is female um, so, if you've read any of my LinkedIn newsletters, you know that's you know what I talk about,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, th- th- that basically means that uh, we are growing. We are showing up, and uh, our growth is just everywhere in the workplace, yeah. in business, in philanthropy. Wherever you look, we are growing, and we have we're having that presence so as we grow and have that presence we're going to have that influence so that means that again i go back to the exquisite leadership skills that it's so important for us to develop and make sure that we have and to embrace the mindset that we are here and that the future is 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 female so i think our future is very bright i yeah. also believe that the isms you know racism sexism ageism mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, will continue to um, be in the mix. And I think we have a responsibility to um, deal with that, tackle it, speak out against it, um, advocate for um, better and more fair policies. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have that responsibility. So that's a part of what I see in the landscape of women that, in fact, we have such an um, incredible ability to influence. One mm-hmm. of my favorite quotes by Mary McLeod Bethune is that after God, we are most indebted to women. Mm-hmm. First, for making life possible, and secondly, for making life worth Living. Mm. And so that making life worth living is a responsibility, a mantra that we carry. And to do that, I think we have to continually work on being extraordinary, making sure that our skills Mm -hmm. are there, making sure that we're um, doing the best that we can, running our businesses, being smart and savvy. And Most importantly, Shani, taking care of ourselves. Yes. So often we neglect in our busyness of being high achievers. Yeah. We neglect ourselves and we become stressed and exhausted and overwhelmed and suffer burnout mm-hmm. because we're not placing the priority on our needs that we should be. Our nurturing uh, skills and abilities um, are often, too often, placed with and on others first, as opposed to us, you know, filling ourselves up so much with care and nurturing that it overflows into the care for others. And so it's important for us to have that mindset shift that requires us to place priority on our own well-being so that we can take care of others. So that's what I see the future looking like.
2: Yeah, and I I agree 100%, especially on the, putting ourselves first at times and taking care of our own mental health, mental wellness. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, as wives, as mothers, we put everybody before us. Mm -hmm. And I knew that was one of my goals for this year to intentionally do more for myself and to celebrate myself more. Oh, good. Because I was like, I celebrate everyone else. What do you do? You know, I do little things for myself. I I take myself out on just like day dates, you know, where it's just me, husband gone, kids are all gone, where I'm able to just enjoy my time Mm -hmm. to myself Mm -hmm. before it gets really busy. You know, yes. And just try to do the small little things, those little self-care things of just getting my nails and feet done and right. just spending more time with me and just, being, you know, trying to meditate and just pray more and writing my gratitude journal. So I've yes. been very intentional about that because I felt like last year okay. I did so much for everybody else that I really put okay. me last. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, I experienced burnout and tired. Uh-huh. And yes. You almost don't have strength for yourself. So I thank you for that. That was that was a really, really great segue into ending the show because it just really touched on a lot of different things when it comes to women in leadership and when it comes to women in business as well and entrepreneurs. So yes. I appreciate you so much for being on the show, Dr. Geneva. Thank you so much. Thank
3: you. I am just so delighted to be here and uh hope that we can continue the conversation. Yes. I'm just so proud of Yes. Uh, your leadership and um young leaders like Thank you, and I can dear. say young, you know, I'm a late life entrepreneur. <laughs> I started my business in my late sixties. And it was a dream I feel like we for me.
2: Have that conversation too.
3: Right. It was a dream, a lifelong dream for me after doing all of this in the community and running mm-hmm. multiple organizations, et cetera. I wanted my own platform and So many people said to me, You know, don't you think you should retire? (laughs) Are you too old? They'd whisper that. Yeah, they whisper that. Are you too old? And I had to put all of that aside and step out. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, years later, you know, I'm so, it was the best thing that I ever did in making that transition from a W 2 (laughs) to an entrepreneur was a major transition, but we can do it. We can do oh, these yeah. things. But oh, yeah. along the path, Shani, that well-being and taking care um, of yourself is so key. Because I lost my husband of 40 years, my mom and dad, oh, um, all so about the same time. Mm. And so the stress and the overwhel- all of that, I opened my business at the same time wow. that I lost them. And yeah. so, and I only say that to show that any of us can do it. We, in fact, can come through it and do it and find that joy and live our lives the way we want to, because I'm living my best life now.
2: <laughs> That's so awesome. That is so awesome. That is so inspiring. It really is. So, like you said, to say you did it launch it at 60 and they you're never too old. It's never too late. That's right. Never too late. It's never too late to start something that's truly for you, something that you're passionate about. So, again, thank you, Dr. Geneva, for being on the show. I really appreciate you. And I got to have you come back so we can explore Ooh, that conversation more. I love it. it to launch a business in, in your later years. And so, guys, listen, I am Shawnee Sanders. This is the Girl Take No Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, Tag Girl Take Note podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Save big on
1: your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon.